So we didn't only sort, uh, seek out to make an egg, we wanted to make a better egg. Making sure that we make the stuff that's going to be, the taste is going to be important. The idea of using cells to grow meat, that's a very technical and scientifically intense process. Focusing on right now as we speak as a big milestone, what is it? We want them to know that this is just a more innovative way of getting food to the table. I'm looking for a better egg. What the? from Silicon Valley, the most innovative spot on earth. Corporate, the place for corporate executives that transforms innovative threats into business opportunities. And now, let's get ready to rumble with the host, Tommaso. Super excited. Kick off our season two, episode 13. Wow. Well, what is uh, a top floor? Very simple. We do select um, during the year and handpick startups that present their sector-specific innovation to a jury of industry fellow. Well, what does it mean and what's sector-specific? Um, Next-gen protein is what we have been focusing on since the end of last year. What are we going to do here? We have two amazing entrepreneurs that joined us from a lot around the globe, Sreda and Vlad. Uh, Let me allow to introduce real quick Sreda. And now I have here my notes, Sreda. Um, Benzali, a sustainable entrepreneur, founder and, uh, of Candy and Green Candy Club, Forbes 30 under 30 in 2018, and co-founder of Evo Foods in an innovative startup in next-gen proteins. Very curious, Reda, to hear more about that. Thank you so much again for joining. And we have uh, Brett, Brett Thompson, co-founder of, hold on, that's what I learned, hmm? Zanzi, co-founder, also at uh, Credence, uh, Credence Institute. What does uh, M. Zanzi meet and co-produces cultivate meat, next-gen proteins from cells? Uh, they are pioneering biology, engineering, and ethical values were major uh, drivers for us to shortlist them to participate in our series. That's the reason why we have you here today on board. What a pleasure to have you here, Brett. And on the other side of the table, like we like to say here in the Bay Area, we have Vinguyen and Ahmed Khan. Vinguyen, ESG, Sustainability and Investment Specialist, Research Director at Asia Research and Engagement. What a pleasure, we thank you for your time, I appreciate. And Ahmed, Ahmed Khan, a biologist passionate about food and the future, and founder of Cell Agri, a research and insight platform focused on cellular agriculture. Ahmed, thank you so much for joining me. And without further ado, I would like to kick off with you. Please take it from here, um, Sreda and her startup. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for this opportunity for me to introduce Evo Foods. Um, you did a great job introducing my background, but I would like to get into a little bit more about me and why I actually started Evo Foods. So my background is actually um, in entrepreneurship and hospitality. I have a very, very, very close relationship with food. And um, growing up, I've, I've grown up a vegetarian and I'm a part of this community in India called Jens. And, you know, we believe in nonviolence. So growing up, you know, I had a lot of these teachings. And the reason I got so fascinated by food was because I felt like it was such, you know, it, it was such a, um, uh, such a beautiful, holy experience. But then, you know, just, just the thought of like eating animals, it just didn't sit right with me, which is why I launched my first restaurant, which was um, a plant-based uh, vegetarian and vegan cafe in Mumbai. And then from that, what I realized is I wanted to increase my impact, be able to sort of um, uh, not only change the food on one, 10, 100, plates you know do it worldwide um, and that's actually one of the reasons my co-founder Karthik and I came up with Evo um, we're both impact focused entrepreneurs and Evo is born from our need to basically help the planet to give the planet a better protein source that is sustainable ethical and affordable 
So um, the reason we picked egg was um, we found some really shocking statistics about egg and how it's bad for you. And these these are certain things that you don't see, right? Everyone knows why egg is good for you. But did you know that one egg has the same amount of cholesterol as three Big Macs, which is crazy, right? Which is which is a really high uh, percentage. So the problem with the current um, the current egg was there was a lot of cholesterol. Um, there's a lot of antibiotics that are pumped into, the, especially the Indian poultry industry is very uh, notorious for its use of antibiotics to scale up production. And then, of course, other than that, there was the emissions that, you know, the poultry industry was creating. And all of these were big problems that we wanted to solve. And that's why we came up with Evo, which is our plant-based liquid egg. You can use it to make omelets and scramble. It has the same protein content as an egg. Um, it has all the branched-chain amino acids, a lot of the micronutrients nutrients. It's lower in calories and in fat than a regular egg. And we've also um, enhanced it with vitamin D3 and B12, which a lot of Indians are deficient in. So we didn't only uh, seek out to make an egg, we wanted to make a better egg. So how do we do this? Um, Karthik and I, my co-founder co Karthik and I, we both have an Indian heritage. And one thing that we're very proud of is a crop biodiversity in India. India has one of the biggest varieties of legumes and beans available in the world, which as you know, worldwide are used to make uh, plant-based protein sources. So we basically use this indigenous plants, which are very readily available in India, and we combine it with cutting-edge technology to make Evo eggs. Our current market is, is, is really big and it's growing, as you can see on all the eggs on our screen. To just get into it very, very briefly, in India, the market for um, eggs is 1.3 billion by 2023. The U.S. has seen a 192% increase uh, in the growth of eggs year on year. And overall, our beachhead market, just to start off with in India for our plant-based proteins, our, uh, our egg plant-based proteins, just with our tier two, um, tier one uh, uh, country, um, sorry, tier one cities is 40 million. So it is a really big market and it's something that will really work in India. And one of the main reasons that we're really excited about launching an egg in India, as opposed to other, other like uh, alternative animal proteins is because egg is kind of a gray area in India. Uh, as you know, um, in India, religious sentiment uh, is very strong. So um, something like beef is banned and other things like pork are uh, religious topics. That's when something like egg comes along, which is sort of a gray area, which is considered both vegetarian and non-vegetarian. And in a market where which has the largest vegetarian population in the world, which is again, very protein deficient, egg is something that's sort of a very easy gateway product to introduce the Indian customer to an alternative plant-based protein. Uh, how do we make our product? Well, uh, we use three indigenous Indian crops. We use the mung bean, we use chickpeas, and we use pea protein to create our plant-based Evo liquid. Our product is high in protein, low in fat, zero in cholesterol, and the best part is it has really strong margins. We can make it for one third of the price because of our uh, production capabilities in India and having all our um, uh, having the entire supply channel so mapped out in India, we're able to produce this product at one third of the price as global competitors. Um, our progress so far is um, we just uh, graduated from the Big Idea Ventures Accelerator uh, this month, which has been amazing. We've been able to raise funds from Ryan Bethancourt, Veg Invest, Dr. Sandhya Ram, and many others. We've been fortunate to be featured in a lot of great articles and we're currently a part of uh, the Food Bites by Rabobank. Our team currently consists of Karthik Dikshit, who is my co-founder and also the CEO of our company. There's me. And then there's our research scientist, Deep Dave. And we also have a great uh, board of advisors with us, with Stephanie Downs and, uh, Dr. Uh, and Ryan Bethancourt. This is, um, you know, all about our, um, our company, Evo. We hope you'll help us revolutionize plant proteins in India. We are currently hiring and we are also raising our pre-seed round. So if you are interested in any, uh, in any of those, you can definitely get in touch with me or Karthik. Perfect. Thank you so much, Reda. Great presentation. Very clear, very appealing. I'm really curious to add actually, you know, a bite of, of what I saw on your plate. So congratulations and also great in your time. 
Well, I would like now to pass uh, the uh, uh, ball to maybe starting up with V. What are your thoughts? What are your questions uh, here around Evo? Um, I'm really actually very impressed that you could make it at a third of the price of your global competitors. And I wanted to clarify, is that because you're doing the the protein isolation process is within the India as well as the manufacturer of the end product, you know, so then therefore there's, mm -hmm. there's no logistical, you know, shipping costs involved there or, or is it something else that, that's involved here? That's one of the things. So uh, one is all the raw products come directly from the farmers who were well connected through, through a lot of our other channels and some of our investors who have that back end. So that makes it, uh, so that makes us very price competitive. And um, most of our products are actually sourced from India. So 19, I think around 95% of all the ingredients are actually Indian sourced. So that uh, greatly brings our costs down. Yeah, that's quite impressive. And so a follow-on question on that is that like, I know that India has had some, some quota restrictions on, on the pulses of imports of pulses in the hope that you will raise local prices up. So how are you finding that? Um, how are you factoring that potential cost? I mean, I know the quotas is going to, I think, March 2021. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of backlash from the other countries who are uh, producing pulses and legumes. You know, have you factored in the, the risk of this continuing forwards? And, and how have you factored in the additional cost, if there has been any, and what has, what has been the additional cost to you? So, okay. So honestly, right now we're at pilot scale and we are, you know, figuring out, you know, our um, uh, at scaling what our margins will be. But having said that, our entire our entire story, our entire company is actually based on being an Indian product. So we were never looking to buy from African or any other foreign like imported beans. We wanted this to be um, a product that was built in India by Indians, and uh, which is why we were using all. all the farmers right now that we've contracted with our all Indian farmers and our contracted rates are um, you know they're pretty great like at a global standard but of course right now we're doing our pilot trials we haven't uh, reached scale yet so that would be uh, a bit difficult to comment on in the future how that would affect us but currently we feel like we're in a very good space and we don't feel the pinch uh, from this. Okay and what's are you going to be selling into just the Indian market? But I believe you also want to go global and into the US, right? So currently, you know, since India is, you know, it's the backyard, it's the best place to like um, launch the product and make sure that, you know, we perfect it before we start uh, exporting it to other countries. And actually one of the reasons that we're initially focusing on India is this product is uh, needs cold chain. So we want to make, uh, and we're working actually our R&D team um, for the second version of the product. It will be ambient stable and ambient stable in India is like 40 degrees Celsius. So uh, once we're able to do that, that will really allow us to be able to then look at the uh, at global shipping and all of that. So um, currently the reason that we're focusing on India is to get the product 100% there. And then um, the second step before we can launch globally, which will be by the end of 2021, when we look at the US market, will be once we are able to get an ambient stable. Right. And what is the, you know, uh, it's a third of the price of your competitors, but what what is the cost going to be compared to an egg? Okay, so that's a Which great question. Which is like question. the benchmark, right? Yes, yes. So um, for, for launching at our pilot scale currently, you know, the facility that we've gotten and, and the sort of cost that we have considered, we are able to match the price of organic eggs in India right now. And what is that premium to a regular battery caged egg? Because that is still factory farming and that is still okay. how the bulk of our eggs are produced. So um, in India, a regular egg could be anywhere between 10 to 15 rupees and uh, organic egg would be between 25 to 35 rupees. That's not too bad, actually, because I mean, I know that just going from battery, from my own work, battery to cage free is about a 25 to 30% premium in a very developed market such as North America. So if you are not to beyond that, um, to have this as an alternative is, is mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's quite impressive. And if you can get it to scale, I think that would really, really come down. And definitely yeah, so. in terms of other foreign markets, we can definitely match, um, you know, at uh, a larger scale, uh, our, our goal is to be an affordable protein source. So yeah. it would be to sort of match um, around the price range of an actual egg in those countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really excited about the product, especially because of the, the potential growth within a market such as India, as you know, I mean, it's the f eggs are like the, the, the first protein, cheapest protein source 
um, right. and you know has such potential and, and it's 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 been growing quite exponentially in in the Indian yeah. market and I've been really interested to see um, how you extend that to the rest of Asia and kind of leverage off your presence so close to the rest of Asia um, and I wanted to know actually the last question I have is like so what is your edge against a big competitor such as Just which is quite well known now right and they're expanding um, globally quite aggressively. Of course, of course. And, um, you know, a huge fan of what Just does. I think that, you know, they, they what they do very well, like, you know, they paved the way for their company um, and this whole pl alternative plant-based uh, egg idea. But again, one of the, one of the main reasons, one of the, one of the things that sets us apart, especially in India, is one understanding of not, like, of how India eats, which I feel like is very different than how, like, a lot of other countries eat because there's a lot of religious factors involved. And other than that price point, right? Because Indians are very price sensitive. It's a, you know, it's a growing economy. You know, the middle class is growing, but again, they're the most price sensitive consumer. So to be able to pay what, you know, just even after you reduce their price, to be able to pay that amount, that's not possible for them. And also um, other than, you know, so we're not only competing in terms of price, right? Um, our other, uh, what we're also doing is we do a lot of fortification with our product, with our eggs. So we're not trying to be um, an egg alternative. We're trying to be a better egg. So I guess that's our positioning against Just Egg. We're not an egg alternative. We just want to make a better egg. The more we dig, the more interesting it's getting. I'm curious to hear Ahmed's uh, thoughts. Thank you so much, Fee. Thank you so much, Sreda, so far. Ahmed, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that was a great overview of Evo Foods. That, that was fascinating. You mentioned this idea that I want to go back to how India has a, a rich and vast range of indigenous plants that, that many, many other companies and researchers haven't yet even had the chance to explore yet. Have you considered the idea of looking deep, digging deeper into this wide range of crops and vegetables there that could perhaps even enhance the properties even further and make perhaps a database that could be leveraged by, by other companies even down the line? Oh my God, totally. So, you know, um, we, we don't say this yet, but um, on the back end, we actually have um, a database. So Deep, who's our research scientist, actually heads that as well. So we have a database of all indigenous, like different types of chickpeas and peas and all of these things. And, um, you know, on their different functions. So we look at like their gelation. And so basically, yeah, we, we, we already had that database. And in the future, like we use it so that we can, you know, improve our R&D time lines and then um, also at some point maybe we could also help other companies with it. That's really fascinating and you, another idea I wanted to jump on to you mentioned the idea of you're right that it, it can be a gray zone when it comes to um, what is vegetarian what what works for um, relig religious sentiment as well. Um, this idea of your messaging right now becoming a better egg how are you communicating to um, the overall public that this is, while it's, it's, it, has, it, it is as nutritious, if not better than the normal egg, how, can, how are you communicating to those who wouldn't have a normal egg that this is a plant-based substitute at the same time? How are you communicating that message? So um, a couple of things here, like, uh, and uh, so I'll answer this question first from like an India standpoint and then a global standpoint, because I think those are very different. Um, so in India, when I say this is a better egg, there are a lot, in India, we're not targeting your vegetarian population. We're targeting people that eat egg, right? That eat organic, our first target will be people that eat organic eggs are looking for a better egg uh, and have already eaten some form of an egg before and are looking for a better alternative to that. And the, re and the way we would, um, we would be able to, we're like our messaging to them would be like, we're better because we have the same amount of protein. We have zero cholesterol. There's no animal cruelty. And even in terms of our environmental impact, we're better. And we're at the same price as a regular organic egg. So in that way, our value proposition would be propped up against your organic egg initially. And that's how um, we're going to put the better egg value proposition for the Indian market. Because unfortunately, in a developing, uh, in a country that's still developing as much, things like environmental impact, as important as they are, they don't drive purchase decisions yet. So we have to be very cognizant about what it is that the Indian customer really cares for. And from all our market studies, like that's, you know, that's the area that they're most interested in, about the benefits that they're getting from it. So that's what we're going to focus on. And from a global standpoint, when we say that this egg is better for me, for you, it comes not only in the form of 
oh, this is a better egg, not just for me, but also for my impact on the world. And that side is what we're going to focus on more when we look at, you know, more, more Western countries. So like when we're planning to launch in the US, that's going to be a messaging there. But um, like I said, that's something that we have to be very like careful about. Um, and which, which is why we say that if you want to enter India, you need to understand the sentiment of Indians, which is very different, um, I guess, from a lot of other countries. Hey, thanks for asking my questions. Awesome. Really, really intriguing, Shreda. Thank you so much, Ahmed. And the more we listen, the more questions we actually, uh, I think, have. A couple of from, uh, from, from my side. Um, wh why U.S. as a next step before China? What are your thoughts there? You know, honestly, right now, um, the reason that we're looking at the U.S. market is it already has a customer base that's looking for plant-based eggs. So there's a proven market over there already. And then apart from that, actually, a lot of our investors and a lot of our just contacts are based over there. So it's much easier for us to build out a network that's more sustainable in the U.S. currently just because of the connections that our company has. Um, so those two would be the biggest points. And also, I feel that the U.S. market to be able to take it. So um, it just has a bigger market size, we believe, than um, China right now, not in terms of population, just in terms of like proven sales. Okay. And in terms of your go-to-market in India, um, do you mind expanding a bit about uh, what, what your tactics are there? I heard a couple of interesting um, uh, line of reasonings in terms of positioning, which I found very interesting and I learned right now, the difference between India positioning and versus others, right? And the go-to-market itself, what are your thoughts there? Of course. So I'll go to Mac. So my background is actually, like I said, in the hospitality industry. And we have something called the National Restaurant Association of India, which I'm on um, the board for the youth committee. So basically what we've done is it's kind of like um, the Beyond Meat strategy where we've gone to a lot of the best restaurants and chefs in the country. And we have um, you know, done contracts with them where they're going to launch it to the public through um, their restaurants. So that's like the first uh, go to market strategy where we're going to be in a lot of like chain restaurants and hotels, which we've already like have. We have those LOI signed and that's good to go as soon as we launch. And then the second approach is direct to consumer through our own website on B2B through Amazon Fresh, through something called Swiggy, which is India's Uber Eats, where they also deliver like fresh food, like um, things to cook. Very interesting. So um, let me then uh, ask you directly, retail, is this not on your books right now and your strategy right now? And no, and, and if so, why not? I'm curious to hear that because this is, you know, here we are picking brains and sharing it with the world and others learning from that. So why not, right? It's very interesting. So one of the main reasons is India doesn't have a great cold chain uh, supply chain. It's not as developed as maybe the US. Uh, we've actually been talking to a lot of other like other players, you know, like in the dairy industry that work with cold chain. And they actually absorb a lot of loss because, or, and, and they can afford it because they're so highly funded. But when we did the mathematics, it just didn't work out for us to put um, a cold chain product in retail. So that's why um, initially we want to go the B2B route and direct to consumer so we can control the supply chain as much as possible. And then by the end of 2021, when we're able to get it ambient stable which is really important for retail in india that's when we want to go into retail we only want to focus on something that we know will be a huge um a cash bleed for us and in terms of forecast uh, uh, if you compare the two channels uh, the b2b route versus the online you guys are in sales already or sales mode already right yourself no, we haven't launched the product yet the product um so we have a lot of um agreements with restaurants to launch with them as soon as the product is out because it's such a new product they're very excited to you know be um some of the people to get the first rights to use the product but um so we have a lot of lois for future sales but no we don't have any sales yet we're launching by the end of this year this is always a good sign when you hear when you hear a presentation, right? And then at the end you say, "Oh, you guys don't have the product yet on the market." So, so you presented in a in a in a very appealing way. Congratulations there. So you are so you have letter of intent of the table for for your B two B strategy, and uh, and then you plan a an online strategy, basically uh, direct to uh, direct to consumer. Have you validated anything there, or is this just based on assumptions that this might work? What are your thoughts there? 
So honestly, um, one of the best ways that we did market testing surveys is we did a couple of runs with restaurants where we put this on the menu to understand how customers would buy them. And um, we, we, we did some, we saw some really great traction. And what we found very interesting was um, that we were getting calls from like, so we, we have like our website up where people can like sign up and we've gotten a lot of sign up, sign ups. So in that way, we know that there's a lot of demand for the product and people are very excited about it. But I mean, of course, until we launch, right, there's no real um, uh, concrete way of saying uh, that, yes, this you know product has a demand for it. We believe it does from all the research we've done and all, um, all the market testing we've done. Perfect, perfect. Now, before we switch over to Brett, one last question, because you mentioned that, and I think uh, this is very relevant uh, in the stage of a startup that is about to launch. You are fundraising and expanding your team. Do you mind doubling down just real quick on the fundraising side for uh, the audience here that is watching? You said uh, uh, an A round or a seed round, what, what was it? So um, we're just raising our pre-seed currently. So, out of the, so um, we're raising uh, a million more out of which we have 500K already committed. We're looking to close it by mid-November. Yeah, and uh, so, and we're, we're gonna raise on, um, oh my God, why am I forgetting? <laughs> on convertible notes. Uh, yeah, and for any more information, you can just email me and uh, I will definitely get back in touch with you. And the minimum check size we're looking at is 50,000. Awesome. So you heard it, guys, out there. Very interesting value proposition. Um, Evo from India. Uh, let's move into the next uh, most potential opportunity here with Brett Thompson, co-founder at Mzanzi. Really curious to hear more. Yeah, screen is yours. Yes. So, um, and it also, uh, sorry that it's, it is a difficult name to, to pronounce. It's a lot easier down here where I sit to say South, in South Africa, um, Mzanzi or Mzanzi, uh, which Mzanzi Meat Co, which is the company that I've co-founded with uh, Jay van der Valt, also based out in South Africa. Um, Mzanzi just means, it's a colloquial term. It's colloquial for South Africa. It's it's a name that um, we've got 11 official languages in South Africa, uh, English, Afrikaans, Sutu, Tuana, Sikosta, Zulu, you can go keep going. Uh, it's a name that kind of come, anybody would be able to know and understand and recognize. So that's one of the part of the reasons why we sort of chose it because uh, we are quite a diverse country and we want a name that speaks to that diversity. I also wanted to just sort of highlight sort of the, our tagline as making meat in Africa. We really want to, we are, as Shraddha was in India, we are in Africa, we're in South Africa, we're making each other using, we want to be using ingredients and whatnot in Africa and South Africa. And our focus is going to be the South African and then African markets. Um, and making, I think, is just something that I, I want us to be, uh, to people to know that we, it's making food. We're making food. It's not a science experience. This is, this is food that we want people to eat. Uh, and just quickly about myself, um, my background is, I, um, I wasn't uh, born vegetarian or uh, whatnot or um, for any other reasons, but some 10, 15 years ago, I decided to stop eating meat and got really interested in, you know, the reasons behind it. Uh, was involved in animal advocacy for a long time, but uh, what I did for my day job for the past roughly 10 years is work in uh, one of South Africa's largest plant-based meat companies. That was sort of my day job, it's Fry Family Food Co. Um, and selling plant-based meats into South Africa and the rest of uh, the rest of the world. And it's just been something that I've been super passionate about, about finding and trying to get those alternative proteins. And now it's quite nice to not be in an alternative protein. I like to think it's, it's a protein space. We're making meat uh, and we want people to know that, um, that that's what it is. I mean, we, what I want to highlight on this slide, uh, um, I won't be going into too much details, but you guys can kind of see from the slide um, component, but what we really want to be focusing is our purpose. Um, First, we want to be the first to market in South Africa and Africa. We are pioneering this in the space. There is no one else doing it on the African continent, continent um, cultivating meat to our knowledge. And um, we've been pretty vocal about being involved in this. And no one sort of put up their hand and said, we're, we're also doing it. So we're the first ones doing it. So it is exciting. There's opportunities. But there's, there's a lot of challenges that I, I will bring up um, a little bit later. Um, our, first, our first product that we are looking to um, get to market is going to be a beef burger. It's following the market, uh, what, what the other folks have been doing around the world. Um, there's sort of benefits and, and whatnot for that. And 
Um, I know no other discussions that you can have on the type of species that we're looking at, but uh, bovine is where we want to be at the moment just to start. And um, I think um, the first mover advantage has been something that we've enjoyed quite a bit in, in South Africa. Um, there's been a lot of interest that people have reached out to us um, without us having to do much. And not to say that we're being lazy down, down south, but it's just uh, people are excited that someone is doing it uh, in Africa and um, we're, we're happy to be that first person. This is just quickly about the team, uh, myself and Jay, who I mentioned are the co-founders. Uh, our research department is headed up by Dr. Angela Burtis. And then Absi, who's also got a nice food service background like Shredder, has, uh, she's making sure that we make the stuff, it's going to be, the taste is going to be important. And then Taz is heading up the, making sure I don't spend too much money. Um, so that's the team. Um, I'll, I'll be quite open about it. We are still looking for more R&D folks. It is one of the challenges, as I, as I think, being in South Africa, trying to get more people in, into, this, into this biotech space. Um, but R&D science folks is, our, is where we're really looking to, to hire. So if there's anyone listening um, and wants to have a come spend some time in Cape Town, um, it's a beautiful place and um, please um, get in touch. I think, you know, we were highlighting the problems that we're facing. And um, I just, I, I see like the fact that South Africans eat tons of meats. Um, uh, our National Heritage Day has been renamed to Bry Day, which means barbecue day. So it's not like everybody thinks that their, their country eats a lot of meat. It's ingrained into our culture. It's, it's just, it's synonymous. It's shishanyama, it's, it's braai, it's barbecue. It's part of the culture of South Africa. And it's a challenge and an opportunity that I think, I mean, it's a big market that we want to address. And it just shows you that people are hungry and it's going to grow. South Africa's population is going to get to 71 million. It's not a billion uh, or 1.6 or whatever it is, like the folks out east, but it's, it's big and the rest of Africa is also going to grow. And we want to be playing in that space and providing accessible protein, like that slide earlier, to those folks. Um, South Africa is definitely following the trend, um, like the rest of the world, in terms of being a bit more conscious. But I was super interested and hopefully we'll chat more about like the, the comparisons of like in India and South Africa, where we don't, most of the people aren't available to say, I want to choose where my food comes from. And we want to address um, the fact that we want to get food that people don't, they don't have to make a choice. It just happens to be healthier, sustainable, et cetera. So that's where we want to be playing. But it's a big market that we want to address. Um, I've kind of probably touched on a little bit of this. Um, I, think, I think something that's pretty key that um, we want to sort of get involved early is one of the things in South Africa, and I'm assuming the rest of Africa, but we haven't done the research, but is the lack of understanding of what cultivated cellular agriculture um, cell-based meat is. They're, they're conflated often with um, uh, Beyond Burger, etc. So we've got an opportunity to shape the discussion early, which we are already doing. We are already engaging with the media. And so that people don't, when we are ready to go to markets in, in, some, time, in, in, in some time in the future, they're not going to be thinking Frankenburger, Frankenstein, cell-based. So what is this tech experience? We want them to know that this is just a more innovative way of getting food to the table. And so that's the challenge of not knowing, of no one knowing what the stuff's about, what we're doing, um, but also it's an exciting prospect. And media is just quite interested to talk to us. So um, somebody um, starting a cell-based company in another country, developed world probably wouldn't maybe have the same experience. I think I've, I've, I've addressed some of these things, but I really want to hone on the talent, talent acquisition. It is obviously difficult to get. South Africa's got a very developed uh, bio uh, industry involved in cancer research and sports industry, for example. Um, and we're trying to compete with those people to come, hey, come get involved. This is a crazy idea called cellular agriculture. Um, and I think that's some of the, like, we're looking for help. Um, and that's sort of the call, to, call to, to action out there to all you folks is to help us get more talent um, to bolster our ranks already um, and, and, and spend some time in our lab. And I think I did it in eight minutes. So I, I, I think that that's pretty much it. And I also also just wanted the one other thing I, we in terms of the funding aspect, we've got um, we, we are very much at the beginning of our journey. And it's an exciting but a tough one. And we've but we've also got the likes of Ryan Bethencourt, who's given us our first check and just an amazing person that sort of uh, if you can just hold on to his energy for a bit, you've done well. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, uh, get in touch with me. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Brett. Thank you so much for sharing this, um, the challenges and the highlights and the mission a lot did. This time I want to start with Ahmed. Ahmed, what are your thoughts? Hey, that was a great overview. Thanks, Brett, for sharing that. One of the first things that came to, my, came to mind is the idea of using cells to grow meat. That's a very technical and scientifically intense process. 
many of the early companies that, that entered the field had to look at covering all these major um, bottlenecks all in-house by themselves. The field has is a few, is a, is a few more, more years older than now. now. Is that the same approach you and your team are looking at or are looking to harness your, your, your attention on one specific aspect of this future food supply chain? Mm. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting, um, first it's like a very interesting question and it's something that I've had to actually personally update um, in my experience because I've been talking about cultured meat, cell, cell meat, clean meat or whatever we call it and we still debate on what we call it. Um, since I, you know, I'm, you know, 2013 or 12, whenever Mark Post was, you know, he was on the uh, British channel and, and showing the first one. And, and my understanding was then, and until very, not too recently, but until somewhat recently, that it's like, you know, you've got to get 20 scientists, like, you know, focusing on this molecule and ensuring that you've got, F, uh, you know, serum free. And, and there's a whole range of thing that you have to do yourself. Whereas now, some five years later from, I mean, even in two, from 2016 till now, it's like, there's a, there's a massive change that's happened. There's a lot of out of the box stuff that you can get now. There's, there are third parties um, um, doing specific things that mean frees up us to sort of develop on ensuring that our product is somewhat uniquely, um, the unique component to, Af to South African taste buds. So that's where we need to focus opposed to like worrying about getting fat content, which may be a piece of meat we can speak to or um, cellular revolution to sort of, you know, the bioreactors and stuff. So, so to, to answer your question is that like, it's been quite nice um, to also update myself and then also educate folks within maybe the, the VC space who still see the older five years, <laughs> like how much um, serum or media used to cost really, really five years ago. And that's what they still relate to. And those things have dropped considerably. So yes, there's still things that we want to ask, like focus in and, and maybe get onto some unique species or something um, that gives us that IP that jumps us away from, from the rest of the herd, let's say heard uh, excuse the pun um but uh i i i really want um you know it's 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 really refreshing to know that it's not like um we're starting literally everything from scratch yes we're based down in south africa we still gotta kind of get everything going um because no one else has done it before we're learning ourselves in starting the business but in terms of the 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 the, the scaffolding uh, from 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 the meat component but not literally the scaffolding but in general um there is stuff available that we can use and learn from um the big guys the memphis meats etc who have done it um and also knowing that we don't have to source every individual green from from scratch yeah that's really interesting you mentioned the idea of the beef burger do you imagine um being the first cultivated meat company in south africa you want to focus on the beef side or our species that are more unique to South Africa and I guess the continent overall? Look, I think, um, I think Mzanzi will always want to focus on um, the conventional side of things for now. I think in terms of our go-to market strategy, we want to be the first to create something that can be tried in South Africa as soon as possible. And bovine beef is just the, you know, the way that we've assessed to get to that place. In terms of sort of the indigenous species, I mean, you know, we've even be, actually been involved with someone who's actually looking at more of the indigenous species. In, in South Africa, springbok, et cetera, maybe even some of the um, uh, unique animal cattle that we have. So I think that you'll probably see some people coming out of um, Africa, not us at the moment, looking at those species. I think where I'm becoming more interested in looking at in, I'm like blue skies, I know my, my team gets a bit annoyed when I want to say let's do it all, but there's chicken is obviously where if you're in, in Africa, in South Africa, we eat, the, you know, the the 13th uh, per capita, no, 13th consumer in the world of chicken per capita or something along those lines. So that's chicken. So we've got to look at that um, in South Africa if we want to um, be successful. Uh, but we've got to start seeing that Africa's taste profile, the South Africa and Africa's taste profile is different. So what species do we want to um, look at? And I'm, I think something like sheep, lamb, goats, mutton, or, you know, what, what, um, what not um, might be interesting. I know Another uh, sort of uh, person in our circles, um, Hakeem from Veggie Victory, who's also backed by Ryan, uh, Ryan uh, Bethencourt, is looking at uh, plant-based ch chunks of meat. Um, and, and, and lamb would be something sort of very interesting in the Nigerian case. Um, so I think we would also look to something like that probably first before maybe um, looking at the, the, the unconventional meats that are out there, indigenous, let's say. That's really interesting. Uh, just one last question before passing passing the floor. You. You, have, you mentioned your background is working in traditional food and the meat industry. How do you imagine, not, not necessarily just for you in South Africa, 
but how cellular agriculture and guess what protein startups overall can partner and work with traditional food players to accelerate your own progress and your work. Yeah, and, and just to clarify, I, I was involved. Um, I mean, I was working for uh, Fry's, uh, you know, I'm a massive fan. My freezer's green if you open it up uh, for the past 10 years. So I've, I've, I've been lucky enough that they, they're massive. They're the big, they are the player in South Africa. Um, they have a lot of great conversations and relationships built up with the retailers here. Um, I've developed over 30 years. Um, so it's given me an opportunity to say, to, to sort of be involved in that traditional, let's say, retail or uh, food industry that you, you know, you're mentioning. And I think, you know, initially those conversations were difficult when I remember even 10 years ago, I can only imagine what they were like 30 years ago, but it's obviously changed drastically from um, the way that people in the food industry now view um, whether they're restaurants or whatever view things that are like alternative proteins in terms of, so, so I think it's the game has changed somewhat, but I think we're starting somewhat again at the beginning in cellular agriculture saying that I think we should look at a way we, we, as an industry, we should not approach the way that certain other sustainable um, industries have gone um, not to name and shame. I mean, there are bigger ones, but sustainable in terms of energy, I think have kind of gone at it as a competitive approach and have seen to say like, we're going to re, you know, coal is, We've got to get rid of coal and that's it. And then there's a, there's a whole coal belt of people that have jobs and are heavily, literally invested in this. So we've got to look at it from a, from a broader perspective. I mean, the terminology is used, just transition, et cetera. And I think that is super important. And I think it starts with, you know, when you start talking to farmers, Absi, um, who is our, uh, in our PR department, she, her dad's a beef farmer. So we've got to have conversations with these people as well in, in the beginning so that it's, it's across the line. I think in terms of the food industry, it's, it's just really about building the relationships. South Africa is, is a developed market in many ways, but also very, very old school in terms of its relationships. It's like handshakes. You know, it's, when you want to speak to retailers, you just better know a couple of the buyers and, um, you know, have a coffee or maybe a beer or whatever it is. It's, it is changing. Yes, it's going to the more modern side of things. But I think building those relationships, not coming across as being um, I liked this term that somebody had mentioned once before. It's 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 moving from traditional to additional, and um, it's a nice. I think it's a nice term. Um, Paul Bartels, I'll quote him, has, has, would say that, and I think that's how the mindset. And then you open up a lot more doors. We do want to disrupt, but we want to be be working with these people and building those relationships. And South Africa, particularly, is about relationships in the retail space. Mm-hmm. Food services is a slightly different thing. Uh, farming is is a, just a completely different discussion. When it also comes to the meat industry, we want to, I, I want us to be seen as a meat producer and be involved um, and at the table. Because if you're, at the, if, you're, if you're at the table, if you're not at the table, I think you're being eaten. So that's where, that's really where we want to be. That's very interesting, Brett. Thank you so much. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much, V. What are your thoughts? What are your questions? Um, not to be devil's advocate, but like, I guess the, the, it's, it's a fascinating and, and really immensely interesting um, space to be in. And there's certainly been a lot of developments over the last eight to 10 years. But I mean, the, I think the million dollar question is, at what point do you think you will be able to have a product come to market and at scale? And so basically, where are you at um, mm. in terms of your development? I know that you, you said that you're not starting from scratch, but exactly where are you at? Mm. Well, I mean, first as a company, we are selling, like we're, yeah, we're very new in the market. 2020 is... We were we decided to start a, a company just before global pandemic, which is I don't know I think we're all can say it's a fantastic idea. And so so in terms of in terms of that, we still do have a way to go um, compared to maybe um, folks up in Asia where they might be ready in the next twelve months. And I know US is almost probably ready to turn on the switch, but they've got regulation components that they have to deal with, which is probably pushing the whole exercise out. In terms of Nzanzi meats, you know, officially I'll probably just keep officially before Jay gets grumpy with me. Um, I'll, you know, we, we were looking for a, a working pro- prototype, um, you know, six to 12 months, having something at high end, uh, restaurants, uh, similar to, um, Shada's sort of, uh, B2B, um, uh, uh, approach by 2024. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the getting, getting our, our product out into market 2024 is um, where we're looking at. Okay, and the, I think the, the apart from cost and, and, and the cost of um, the growth medium, obviously, mm. to get the cell replication mm. going, which is quite well known. The other one is the major challenge for the, this sector is that no country has actually given any regulation to authorise mm. the consumption of this. So I wanted to understand from you is that your market is going to be, you know, well, South Africa and then Africa. 
what where is that at in terms of, of uh, regulation and, and where do yeah. you see that heading and, and by when? Yeah, and I, I think it kind of also goes to Ahmed's question a little bit in terms of how, how do you, I mean, I think that's, again, that's the other million dollar question is actually, you know, the one mm -hmm. is getting the price parity, as you said, the regulators, you just don't know what you're going to get. You know, my understanding, again, through discussions with the folks, and Ahmed probably also knows this quite well, is like Americans are having some tough troubles uh, with this. It might be easier elsewhere. Um, who knows? Like the European Union is an example where they decide upon some industry that they think is, you know, we don't like it. And then they, they just make a whole bunch of rules and stuff with it. We are starting this conversation early with um, regulators in South Africa. You know, we want to be speaking to to the to the, the relevant stakeholders um the regulation is basically not there it doesn't exist in south africa on on to to a large extent there is like there is a meat uh, obviously meat um regulation in terms of it but um, in terms of what we're talking about there's nothing there um so i think it's i think it's somewhat of an exciting prospect as well i think we would be able to south africa's government is particularly focused on getting involved in being seen as a tech innovating space so if we position ourselves there I think they would be friendly to something like this. And also if we go early and want to take the hand and say, we want to do this with you, I think that's something that um, would probably play in our, fact, in our favor. It is still somewhat of a gamble, but I, my gut feel is that like South Africa, Africa regulation and whatnot, if you do it correctly, you're probably going to be more in favor. And, and, and it's um, this, the um, emerging markets and maybe Shada can and speak from her experience. I think the governments there have some some level of um, allowance in certain in certain places. In others, they don't. They make these crazy regulations about import duties on chickpeas, and then that's the end of the game. But uh, in in, our, in my experience, or my gut feel is to say that we might be um, we might be in a better position, probably. Really exciting because I mean, uh, you know, as as Rashad, I, I really love hearing the fact that you are thinking about you know down down the road tailoring something that is really catered much more to your market like Ahmed's mm. question about like are you going into like different types of meat other than bovine that are more like really specific to to mm. the market within which you operate and I think that would be really interesting to see you differentiate yourself in that way mm. um, and, yeah. and seeing like you know there's a global picture but then there's your local one which is equally mm. important I think. And, I, and so I, I think Africa is I mean not I think Africa is going to be our focus South Africa is, is our first launching plans where uh, we literally are and I think you, you've got to understand that the, the choices are different um, and the discussions are very different. So beef, cattle, et cetera, um, are in, in large parts of the rest of Africa. They're no, there's, not, there's no such thing as a factory farm in, in many other countries. So the discussion that we have, uh, particularly in developed regions, uh, and, and, and the experience of how we communicate to, to customers to say, this is, oh, this is a free range organic. It's just like, it's like, of course, my, I have chickens in the backyard. I mean, like I've got a, there's, I can see Tuesday's meal in front of me running around still. So we've, we've, we've definitely like that. It's a very different discussion. And I think, you know, um, playing into what is relevant and the taste profile here is going to be something that we want to do. And also inspiring um, a lot of people within the African context who always kind of keep looking, which maybe um, Shada again could probably, I'm, I'm just, I'm assuming you have the same experience that we always want to look out to what's happening in UK, EU, and the US, but like, I think there's going to be a time where like uh, Africa is a young population. They're going to want to try something that's kind of comes from there, comes from them, uh, opposed to like importing something else from, yeah. even if it's, you know, if it's a beef burger. Yeah, play, play to the stereotype mm -hmm. <laughs> completely. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we could talk for hours. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing topic. You know, we went from India to South Africa, right? The great entrepreneurs. Uh, before we wrap up things, I would like to understand, um, uh, Brett, we talked about the roadmap and the product. We talked about teams. Uh, you mentioned funding strategy. I mean, as an entrepreneur, you have so many things that are not, are not, uh, not in, a, in a sequence, but all in parallel, right? What is the biggest uh, thing that you are focusing on right now as we speak as a big milestone? What is it? Yeah, that's that's a very good summary of what uh, entrepreneurial life is like. It's just uh, everything is everything is urgent, important, needs to be done now, and should have been done yesterday. Our biggest focus is raising the small seed amount that we, I mean, pre-seed amount that we're looking um, in terms of getting R and and getting our R and D to a place that it's going to be more exciting to be able to cut the bigger check. So we are we're we're um, we're at the 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 check before the check, maybe before the check. 
that Toronto's at. And I keep on using her as experience because she, I just, I'll, I'll, I'll add, I'm, if you're not on LinkedIn already, I know that I'll, I'll just keep looking at what you're doing and saying, well, well that's us in a couple of months time. <laughs> so our biggest focus right now is, is, is getting that, um, you know, we've got, we've got uh, two angel investors that have come on board, uh, Ryan, Beth and Court and, and another one. Um, and it's about getting just a little bit more. I know there's always a bit more that you can have and in sitting down and just ensuring that we've got something available to uh, someone who's going to be able to cut that bigger check. So, awesome. Okay. Brett, at M Zanzi, Zanzi, right? He at the check before the check. So you guys, you know, you have uh, plenty of space to chip in. Uh, great story, beautiful mission that you guys have. And with that, I would like to wrap up our 13th episode of our second season. With that, I would like to bottom line here things, starting with V. V, what are your thoughts? Are you going to meet or stay in contact with Brad, Brad Thompson and Zansi? Yes or no? Thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> Absolutely. Really, really interested to see where awesome. you guys head. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll make introduction here, V and Brad. And how about uh, uh, Shredda? Are you going to stay in contact with Shredda? You want to have an intro? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, awesome. So we have two thumbs up for Brett and Shredda from We. We're going to make the introduction. Uh, Ahmed, what are your thoughts? You want to meet with Brett? Absolutely. It's really exciting to see new startups emerging in all parts of the world. Awesome. I love it. And how about Shredda? You want to you wanna have a link to Shredda to continue the evolution? Absolutely. Awesome. So we have two industry fellows and here uh, the introductions from our end at Awesome Ventures. More than happy to have a one-on-one -on -one with you guys to understanding the, the nuances of where you guys stand. So you have you know, two startups, three meetings and having been on the startup side for uh, so, so many uh, years, I, I think this is the most valuable thing that one can create, meaning vetted, valuable uh, uh, networks, right, and follow-up conversation that create opportunities. And with that, today we are a bit over time, but I really enjoyed. I love being uh, the uh, dumbest in the room, always learning different countries, different regulation, different scenarios, different circumstances. And I end up always our broadcast with a quote. Actually, it's a quote that I learned to craft over my last 20 years as an entrepreneur who became an investor, which goes like this. Never forget where you come from because it keeps you humble. But where you come from cannot limit where you want to go. With that, I would like to thank so much the participation of we, participation of Strada, Brad and Ahmed. Thank you so much. Good luck, guys, uh, for your endeavor. Good luck for your business. We and Ahmed, stay in touch. All the best. Bye-bye. Have a great rest of your day.